Make sure you check out our Sunday School video on Genesis chapter 1. May my hands be holy when I kneel in prayer. May my life be holy when I praise. Help me, Lord, respect the role you've given me. May I serve with honor all my days. May I serve with honor in the role you've given me. And may I never go beyond my place as I serve my Savior and I give you praise. Help me follow the truth and I'll be saved. May my hands be holy when I kneel in prayer. May my life be holy when I praise. Help me, Lord, respect the role you've given me. May I serve with honor all my days. To
I am the light of the world. This is the second I am statement that Jesus makes found in John's gospel. And this is found in John chapter eight. And let me just kind of be completely open with you about this topic because this is one of my favorite ways of talking about and demonstrating the difference between good and evil. You know, there's different ways that you can kind of try to talk about good and how it contrasts evil. But I think that of light and darkness shows us one that, that everybody pretty much throughout all time can understand the difference between when it's light and whenever it's dark. Now, what we're not talking about is just physical light and dark, although those can illustrate it. What we're talking about is the spiritual light. Jesus made this statement, I am the light of the world. Let's take a look at it together. In John chapter 8, verse 12, this is where the specific statement comes up. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay, that's what Jesus said. Now, Jesus made this claim. However, the Jewish leaders had a problem with this claim. The problem is that, you know, even according to their law, you know, there's this idea that they had to have two or three witnesses, you know, two or three people that were needed for a proper testimony. Uh, that is going to make a whole lot more sense whenever we see how they respond to this statement. But Jesus, without a doubt, he makes the, the claim that he is the light of the world. What does that really even mean to them? And, and what are they going to respond with? Well, let's take a look. This time, verses 13 through 18. Keep in mind what I said about proper testimony. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. So he explains to them, you know, they have this problem. He, they're saying your testimony is not valid. Well, the whole thing is they're not really just attacking his statement, which, I mean, they are doing that too, but they're not just attacking his statement. They're attacking how he's making that statement. They're really claiming that he's the only one that's saying that. Is he really the only one that's saying that? No. I mean, one of the things that he says is his own father, our father, our heavenly father, that is the second witness. That is the, the second witness who has come to the stand, so to speak, and it's recognized. It's, it was recognized really by the Pharisees, but they just, you know, tried to ignore it. But, you know, the early disciples, they understood that. Uh, John is the one that he includes this in, in his gospel, telling us this information. But, you know, Peter also speaks about this witness of the Father and how he experienced it, too. Let's take a look at Second Peter. In Second Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 21, we get Peter's testimony. We get his experience, what he was able to, to see and what he was able to hear. So let's take a look at it and listen from Peter's perspective. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 21. Jesus received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. 
and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So you listen to what Peter says, and Peter knows this very well and good. He heard this with his own ears. He heard the voice of the Father. He also says, you know, beyond that, we have this prophetic message. Verse 19, he starts picking that up, and then he says to his audience, he says, look, you're going to do well if you pay attention to that. And then he uses this example of light and darkness, that, that this prophetic message that was proclaiming who Jesus was, it's like this light that's shining out in this dark place. And then he talks about a day dawning. You know, it's, it's a wonderful thing whenever you can actually see go out at night uh, or early morning, right before dawn, and you just see the day coming in and, you know, the morning just coming in like that and, and actually see the, the sun rise. It's an amazing experience to be able to see that and to recognize how wonderful of a thing it is. And that's the way that Peter is comparing this prophetic message. This prophetic message, it's talking about this day that's dawning. It's talking about Jesus coming and bringing this light because Peter recognized that Jesus is that light. And Peter was not the only follower of Christ who noticed this. In fact, Matthew, who was also right there. So now we see that John is talking about this. We see that Peter is talking about uh, how Jesus is this, this light. And then we also find out that Matthew points this out at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry. And he also gets into the, uh, the prophetic word there and he quotes some of the prophets. So let's take a look at Matthew's uh, witness. In Matthew chapter four, verses 12 through 17, this is how Matthew records it. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. See, this comes down to everything about that image, that Jesus is this light of the world. We see that even the prophets, the prophet Isaiah, as well as others, they talk about people living in darkness, seeing a great light. Jesus brought that light. He brought so much with him. And if we are paying attention, we can see that light, at least from our perspective, we see that in history coming and bringing in a dawning of a new day, a dawning of a, of a new time. That's also another reason why in verse 17 of this passage here, that Jesus's message was to repent. Why do they need to repent? They were people living in darkness. They needed to see the light. They needed to, to change because things were changing right in their midst. The kingdom of heaven, it came near. Jesus himself had come near. Jesus is the light of the world. But you know, there's also even more of this. And I, I think the last part of that started talking about our part in it, because it's not just that Jesus is the light of the world, but because he is the light of the world, there's even more to that statement that he made in John 8, verse 12. Let's look at that again, that, that passage again. In John 8, verse 12, I'm gonna read it again. 
When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay, so this statement not only tells us that Jesus is the light of the world, which he is, okay? And I don't want to take away from that because really that's kind of one of the main purposes for this, this sermon is we're, we're looking at these I am statements of Jesus and finding out more and more about Jesus. But this I am statement that Jesus makes is so powerful. And it's kind of very interesting to me because as far as I can tell, it's the only I am statement that we read about that Jesus says that also applies to us. Because look at this passage again and notice what I have here in, in bold and underlined, that those people who follow Jesus are going to have the light of life. They're, they're not going to walk in darkness. So this statement, it's not just that Jesus is the light of the world. In fact, we are the light of the world, aren't we? Now, I think this is the only like I am statement and one of kind of the attributes of, of Jesus that is carried over into us as well. And this one, I think there's a reason for that, because this idea of light, this image of light is what we are called to bring into the world that still is living in darkness. Uh, Jesus kind of said it this way in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Verses 14 through 16, Jesus said to his audience, the multitudes, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So when we look at this, we find out it's not just about Jesus being the light, but it's also about us. You are the light of the world. I am the light of the world. We together are the light of the world. And we've been called to bring this light into this world of darkness. You know, I don't know about you, but I can't help it whenever I, I read passages like this. But think about that song that we have, you know, about this little light of mine. We even kind of uh, hold up our finger oftentimes. And this is usually something that we do with kids. But the message is so powerful for adults as well. You know, that that song about how we need to, uh, to, to let our light shine. It comes from this verse here. And all those different verses in that song. It deals with how we shouldn't just hide this light. We shouldn't let Satan put it out. We should let it shine. We should let it shine all over the place that we are going to be. Well, everything about that song, it deals with what Jesus said right here. It's, it's to remind us of what Jesus said, that you are the light of the world. We've got to let this light shine. We can't hide it. We can't let it be put out. We've got to let it shine. But you know, we have to let it shine for the right reasons. If you look at verse 16 in the last half of that, we should never try to be the light of the world without the last part of verse 16. I mean, look at what verse 16 is. The whole reason for this is that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, if we do this, and if people see our good deeds, but if it doesn't bring glory to God the Father, what have we really done? You know, yeah, it might be great that you know we, we get a good name and we get praised before men, but that's not what it's about. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about God. It's about bringing glory to our Father who is in heaven. Now, go back to John chapter 8, verse 12 again. And here in John 8, verse 12, once again, I'm going to read this. I, I want us to really know this one. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, 
but will have the light of life. Okay, so the example of this last half uh, of what this verse is talking about, it comes right before this story. In fact, we see a couple different examples of this. So here, Jesus makes a statement that he's the light of the world, but then he carries it over and that if we follow him, we're never going to walk in darkness, but we will have this light of life. What does that look like in our lives? Well, the last story that was recorded right before this one, in fact, the, the verse right before this verse, we find that there's a woman who's been caught in the very act of sinning. And do you remember how that conversation ended? Now, we're not going to look at that entire story, although it, there's a lot we can learn about that story. But the woman is caught in the very act of sinning. And the Jewish leaders, they bring her before Jesus. So they're all surrounding this woman. And they actually say that, that the law says to stone her. But, you know, what is Jesus going to say? So they're trying to, to test him. They're trying to tempt him. And he makes that famous statement that, you know, look, whoever is without sin, you cast the first stone. And that whole crowd leaves. But you know, that's not actually how the story ends. Because that woman has a conversation with Jesus himself. But let's look at that conversation. The last verse of that, verse 11, um, he made that, that statement after everybody already left. He said, you know, uh, well, is anybody here to accuse you? And she says that, that no one is. And then he says, neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. You know, some translations, they might even say that last part of, of go now and sin no more. The concept is about this, that if we follow Jesus, we're not going to be in darkness any longer. We're going to be in this light of life. He tells her to leave this life of sin. We've got to change. This is the same thing that Jesus said at the very beginning of his ministry. Remember, repent. That's what repentance is. Repentance is leaving this life of sin behind. Does that mean that we're going to live a perfect life? No, that doesn't mean that we're going to live a perfect life. But what that does mean is this light of life is within us, and we can have power over this darkness because of what Jesus did on the cross. We see the example of this woman that's caught in the act of adultery. But you know, there's even another example right before this one. Do you remember the person Nicodemus? Let's look at him together. In John chapter 7, backing up in, into that previous chapter, the last part of that, verses 50 and 52, all the way down to 52, we read this. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, that is, one of the religious leaders, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find the prophet does not come out of Galilee. Okay, so here Nicodemus is actually sticking up for Jesus. But then, you know, you look at this little interesting information given to us in verse 50. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier. Do you remember what it was like whenever he came to Jesus earlier? That happened all the way back in John chapter 3. He was told that famous passage about how, you know, you must be born again. But do you remember how he was introduced, how the person Nicodemus was introduced? This is it. John 3 verses 1 and 2. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. So here in this person, Nicodemus, we actually find him in three different occasions in John's gospel. And we're looking at two of them in this lesson. But in John 3, the first time we come in contact with Nicodemus is 
he came to Jesus at night. See, he came with darkness. He came in darkness, so to speak. But I believe that he left with the light of life within him. I mean, why else do we see him the next time that he specifically is sticking up for Jesus? And then the time after that that we see him is he's at the foot of the cross. Even whenever all the apostles left Jesus, we see Nicodemus is right there and, and he is giving him a proper burial. Nicodemus shows us this wonderful example of this man who, who came from darkness and into this wonderful light. This is the type of example that we can look at and learn from. And this is the type of example that we are called to be. Are you an example like this, like Nicodemus, someone who you can see that there's been a change in your life? And along the same line, you know, will you be that example like this? We're all capable of doing it because we're capable of following Jesus. Jesus is this light of the world, but he gives us the ability to be that light as well. I'm going to look at this passage one more time, going back to John 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. But because Jesus is the light of the world, we are also the light of the world. And we need to look to the light of God, the light that Jesus brought into this world. And we need to let that light shine through us. You need to let that light shine through you to bring him glory, to bring all the glory that's due God our Father. We are the light of the world. Let's let our light shine. Lord, shine.